asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. That's right, Joel. We've got five listener questions to get to, including one about uh, a secured credit card, when that might make sense for somebody. We're going to talk about renting uh, a house or a, an apartment to a family member. Ooh. Yeah, there's going to be some interesting things there. Uh, and then as well, some factors to consider when you're trying to save the most possible money when it comes to your insurance. We're going to get to those three questions plus two others during this episode, man. Let's do it, man. I'm looking forward to it. And it is always interesting when you rent to a family member. I um, actually just waded into those waters yeah, myself. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we answer that question. But before we get to that, Matt, I was kind of wondering, like I just had some tenants move out um, and they, they left behind a couple of interesting things. Sometimes when a tenant leaves behind something interesting, it's actually bad. It's like cleanup yeah. duty. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, the surprises you receive after a tenant moves out are, yeah, not good surprises. Right. I mean, at, at, at least they're a hassle, right? You know, like when it comes to them leaving something... But sometimes, occasionally, it can be a, there can be a small perk associated with being a landlord. You uh, come across some interesting items, or in, in my case, recently, man, I came across something that was actually really sweet. They had left behind uh, one of those vertical bike storage racks. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, like where you, you lean it up against a wall, and then you take your bike and you can you know store it on the second floor <laughs> <laughs> of that little bike rack while there's another bike below it. So you better believe I snatched that thing up, man. Threw it in the van, brought it home, stuck it down in the bike shop, and it means I'm way more organized down there these there you days. Go. Nice. Uh, yeah. How about you? Have you ever had 
anything that you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Okay, so my tenants had just moved out. They left a screen door that's really nice. Nice. Um, yeah, so especially for future tenants that have animals, it's got like a little doggy door in it and stuff. They had put that in. They're like, we can't use it at the next place. Do you want to keep it or do you want us to take it out? I'm like, no, leave it. Thanks. That's really nice. Nice of you. So uh, occasionally I get something like that. One time somebody left a couple of empty propane tanks or mostly empty. And those are great too, man. Yeah. Those are, this is like gold <laughs> because like uh, it's so much cheaper to fill a propane tank. That trade-in to- value instead of having to buy a whole new tank. Exactly. And you've Ex- got that smoker going on. So you need to have multiple tanks in rotation. Exactly. Yeah. You got to gotta be able to switch them out, <laughs> you know, in just a, yeah. a, a quick minute. But yeah, those are probably the best. Nothing like <laughs> nothing like incredible. I'm sure our listeners are like, a propane tank. Cool, right. dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're frugal, every little thing is, is nice and helpful. Yeah. So you actually admit, there are all sorts of things, actually. The more we talk about it, I bet we can dig deep and, and think of all sorts of weird stuff. But you mentioning propane tanks made me think of, I also had a tenant one time leave behind this like Swedish fireplace looking thing. So uh-huh. basically, they're these cross sections of a tree. So they're like these rounds. And then the inside of it's kind of like carved out. And then there's charcoal, like uh, lump charcoal inside of it. And it's supposed to be this sort of self-contained fire pit. And you can cook on top of it. And I had never seen one of those before in my life. But I thought... Looks like fun. <laughs> so, so we totally, I totally brought it home and we cooked some hot dogs on it. We put a little cast iron on it. And we kind of did a little backyard cooking. It's sort of like a pretend camping day with the girls, but uh, it totally worked. Uh, I don't think I would actually spend my money on that. But yeah, one of those weird things that you wouldn't purchase on your own, but it's like, well, I'll take this home and give it a shot. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We'll give it a <laughs> shot. I like it. And it is, it is fascinating the things that people choose to leave behind. Uh, sometimes worth something sometimes worth nothing but um, a lot of times it's a hassle congrats on the new bike rack though oh thanks man i'll uh, I'll show you a picture of it here soon okay looking forward to it all right well uh let's move on to the beer that we're having on the show today this one is called seeing double and it's a double dry hopped ipa by and derby brewing company they're local just outside of atlanta and we'll give our thoughts on this beer at the end of the episode but for now matt let's get on to listener questions for how to money listeners who want to submit a question for a future ask htm episode we'd love to hear from you just go to howtomoney.com slash ask there are simple directions there to create and then submit uh, send over your voice memo so that matt and i can take your question on an upcoming episode all right let's get to the first one uh today though matt this one is about renting to a family member hi guys this is greg sawicki from naperville illinois two-part question number one uh when your theme music starts playing do you two guys get up and start dancing wildly just curious Second part is uh, I bought a condo. My daughter lives in the condo and pays me rent. Do you know if I have to report that rental income that I get from my daughter? Thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the great work. Uh, Greg, right now I am dancing in my mind. <laughs> I saw you twerking, buddy. You're, you're getting on it there. We don't do it do that all that often here. You know, I mentioned the kettlebell. I do more moving around here down in the office uh, with the kettlebell. You know I'm trying to keep my back strong, dude. All right, well, uh, I'm going to take Greg's advice, man. I'm going to start dancing when the music plays from here on out. We should do that more often. And by the way, I still really enjoy our, our music. You know, our, we've got our intro music. we got our break music. I feel like it's still holding up. You like it? I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although we've had some people accuse us of sounding like uh, 1990s entertainment tonight. <laughs> 
And I'm not going to lie, it, it does. Some of it does, well, but when I you still l- dig it. When you put them side by side, you realize, oh, yeah, in fact, it does sound like that. We didn't realize that at the time, and I most people, they don't remember that music from, I hope, from way back then. I hope Mary Hart doesn't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, Greg, uh, the quick answer to, to your question is yes, you do have to report that income to the IRS. Uh, but a more important question that we want to ask you is whether or not you charged your daughter fair market rent, because that's when tax deductions come into play. If you charged fair market rent, uh, that means you'll also be able to deduct any typical expenses associated with real estate. So we're talking about things like uh, your mortgage interest, utilities, uh, repairs, and you can even you know still carry forward losses, uh, like if you renovated the condo, things like that, some larger expenses you can carry forward into future years. Yeah, and that is one of the benefits of real estate, right, of, of rental real estate is the tax benefits, including your ability to deduct all those things. However, uh, Greg, if you rented to your daughter for below market value rent, then unfortunately, the IRS considers that a not-for-profit venture. And that means that you're limited to the types of deductions that you can take on that property. You can still take a, a mortgage interest deduction, but you can't take any of the uh, typical deductions that most real estate investors are interested in from a business point of view. So this is one way that actually not charging enough uh, in rent can cost you more than you realized. Charging too little can adversely affect your tax situation. Yeah, it could be a uh, double whammy. <laughs> That's actually the exact term the IRS uses, is a double whammy. <laughs> no, they don't. But. Say, uh, we would like to inform you that you've just been hit with a double whammy. <laughs> right. Uh, but Greg, you know, ultimately, it's your property, so you can do uh, what you want with it. Like You could slash the rent from $900 a month to 90 <laughs> uh, And although that would be awesome for your daughter, just realize that means the IRS will then categorize that condo uh, as a personal use property, and those sweet deductions are no longer possible. If you're looking for a way to cut her a break, uh, then you can definitely implement sort of like a, a 10% discount. Uh, the IRS has actually even decided in favor of a 20% quote unquote good tenant discount before. Uh, but beyond that, it starts getting really dicey. Yeah, so if you were charging other people 900, you could decide to charge your daughter $800 and you would be within the IRS guidelines. Yeah. That would be okay. But if you start charging her 600 or $700 or a 90. month <laughs> or 90, <laughs> you would be uh, be putting yourself in a precarious spot with the IRS and you wouldn't be able to take advantage of some of those deductions. Uh, so yes, report the rental income and get those deductions. By the way, Matt, I said I was going to mention this. I just started renting out a house just around the corner from where we live to my little sister, uh, yeah. a house that Emily and I lived in years ago. And uh, they were, you know, in this pandemic, they've been in a studio apartment and uh, she and her husband, and that's gotten maybe uh, a little too claustrophobic. <laughs> I'm sure they're at each other's throats a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> they love each other, but they're tired of each other, I think, uh, for a while there. But yeah, so now they're in a, a two-two. And like, I, I would just like to be able to sit at home and not stare at your face. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Nothing hostile. Uh, everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're going to be better now, but because sure. they're in a two-two. But um, yeah, I was able to, to give them the 10% discount. Um, I thought about charging 10% more just to really... <laughs> Stick within those IRS guidelines and just, you know, I think I think she would have been okay with that, too. I just want to make sure I steer clear of any sort of IRS red flags. <laughs> I don't want that double whammy in my life. Right. You know? Well, it's worth pointing out that these guidelines, it's not uh, specific to family only. You know, this is across the board. It, does, it doesn't have to be a relative or somebody you know uh, where that would raise concerns. If you drastically cut rent uh, at a property for anybody, regardless if they're family or not, that's something that would keep you from being able to take full advantage of all those deductions. Yeah. It's just that usually that question gets brought up when it's a family member at play who you want to help out. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got more questions to get to, including how do you shop for the right insurance company? We'll get to that and more right after this break. 
asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, we are back from the break, and we've got a listener who wants to save some money when it comes to their insurance, but they also don't want to be cheap. 
Hey, Matt and Joel. I'm Danny from Connecticut. Count me as a loyal and longtime listener. You guys have been total guides and gurus along my financial journey. So major kudos and much admiration. I've learned so much from you. Now to my question. My wife, Susan, and I are under contract on our first house. Yay! And we are shopping now for homeowner's insurance. Our car renters and property insurance are all with the same company, and of course, they want to sweeten the deal with yet another bundle discount if we stick with them on homeowners too. We both grew up with parents who value customer support and responsiveness in insurance, even at the expense of, well, expense. We think there is wisdom there. On the other hand, I know you guys are big fans of comparison shopping on insurance. Generally, I would be too, yet the pursuit of the great agent relationship I can rely on in the lurch, in that pursuit I feel conflicted. I guess this question comes down to a classic Matt, Joel, frugal or cheap. Should we shop around for homeowners and perhaps other insurance policies before we are irrevocably sucked into the vortex of bundling inertia? Or should we go with the company we know and trust? Perhaps a middle way. What do you think? Let us know when you're coming to Connecticut. We'll be glad to take you out for craft beer and famous New Haven pizza alongside. Thanks, guys. Danny, thanks for your question, man. Thanks for the, the kind words. Pizza and beer? You don't really have to oh, yeah. twist our arms to make that happen. <laughs> Next time we're up in Connecticut, we'll holler. Dude, have I ever told you about the Broom View up in Asheville? It was like, it's an old movie theater, uh, but it was a brewery. So they made their own beer there. You could show oh. up, you, you buy pizza, sit there in the movie theater seats. There's only one screen, but you'd sit there. Pizza, beer, and a movie. It was so good. I mean... I'm in. <laughs> it was <laughs> my favorite things to do when I lived in Nashville. Understandably so. Yeah. Uh, I want to say too, congrats to Danny, by the way, on buying buying your first home. Oh yeah. Um, and I feel like his question too is so great. It's it's so well worth dissecting because solid customer service and maybe like a dedicated, reliable agent. Those things are like really helpful in the event that you do have to file an insurance claim. And I think they should be taken into account when you're shopping for your insurance provider. Uh, so Matt, like, let's kind of talk about how you incorporate that into your decision-making process. Totally. And, and I agree. This is a total frugal versus cheap question, right? <laughs> like you could certainly go with an insurance company where the monthly premiums aren't all that rough, you know, but then that sinks when you really need them, right? When, when you're in the lurch, like Danny mentioned. Let me quickly bring it back to pizza. I feel like there's a, a pizza so cheap that I wouldn't eat it, right? <laughs> like it brings me back to my college days. Like when uh, Little Caesars? I, w- I would eat the Totino's frozen pizzas or whatever. <laughs> you get them like five for five for five or something like that. Not, it wasn't so bad. Uh, my mom used to make make fun of me, and understandably so. But now I wouldn't be caught dead eating those yeah, pizzas. Yeah. Like I, I'm just <laughs> my taste buds have evolved somewhat, and I'm like just not going to do that anymore. Uh, but I think the same thing can be true, like what you're saying with insurance. There is an insurance product and a customer service level that is so bad that it's it's you're just not willing to purchase it. Yeah, not just customer service, right? But you could also offer less coverage than you would need in order to save money, and that would definitely be cheap. So when you are shopping around, we believe that everyone out there should not only weigh the quote that you get, but also how that insurer stacks up when it comes to customer service specifically uh, and paying claims as well. Yeah, yeah. Consumer Reports puts out a a car and homeowners insurance rating list every year, and so does JD Power. And those are two really good places to kind of look and check and see, well, how does my insurer stack up? How good are they? Um, And those ratings can be helpful when you're making uh, a decision. The helpfulness levels of a specific agent can be a game changer too. If you've got someone in your corner who's responsive and thorough, um, that can weigh the scales too and be be a big help. And for example, Matt, USAA beats everyone (laughs) every single year in pretty much all the 
these ranking systems. J.D. Power, Consumer Reports, everybody seems to love USAA, the customer service, the claims responsiveness that they provide. However, they're not the cheapest one out there. They're, they're not the cheapest one out there. But f- anybody who you ask who has USAA, they're going to say it's worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're just head and shoulders above everybody else. So if you are eligible to get insurance through USAA and the rate is even mildly competitive, it's probably worth getting your home and auto policies there. That's how good of a job they do. But let's say you haven't served in the military, nor has a close family member, you're not going to be able to sign up for USAA coverage. And so you're going to have to look elsewhere. And so that means maybe just a little more research. Yeah, with all the other insurance companies out there, uh, it's going to be kind of a sliding scale, right? When it comes to cost versus customer service, customer satisfaction, you got to weigh the ratings and reviews alongside the cost of the policy. And so consider, you know, having a, a rating floor maybe that you won't go go beneath. You know, no matter how low the price goes, regardless of how low the quote is. I'll actually admit that I am with Safeco, who was recently purchased by Liberty Mutual, and they score <laughs> a really low seventy-two on the Consumer Reports ratings, uh, but. Interestingly enough, they, they get a one out of five stars on premiums, but my premiums are actually really, really low. They're the, the most competitive ones out there when I was getting quotes. But at the same time, I feel that I've got a great agent, so I feel comfortable there. Uh, even with that low overall rating, uh, I'm confident in their ability to make sure that my claim gets paid out. And I'm also pretty confident in my own ability to be the squeaky wheel, right? Like a lot of it kind of comes down to how much time and energy you're willing to give it when you do have to make a claim, when, when it does come time to actually use that insurance. I just want to say I'm also confident in your ability to be a squeaky wheel, my friend. <laughs> Sometimes that's what it takes, you it's, know. And, and if you're not willing to put forth that energy, then you probably do want to look towards one of the companies that make it easy for you. Yeah, well, I do think those ratings can be like a real, really helpful guiding light because um, I too am actually with an insurer who's not rated as highly as I would hope, and it, it does make me think, man. Now maybe it's time for me to shop around again. <laughs> Although, um, are we cheaping out? Like may- maybe we are. Maybe, but yeah. I, I'm in a similar uh, similar position where I have an agent that I feel like is really, really good, really, really responsive. And so I'm happy where I'm at right now, uh, although it does make me think I should shop around again soon. And and so I think that's important for, for everyone to continue to shop around for insurance because it can make a, a difference of hundreds of dollars, maybe even more every single year in what you're paying. And in particular, if you look up these ratings and you're like, man, my insurer is not doing a very good job <laughs> when it comes down to it in, in these national surveys, then there's an even bigger potential reason for you to switch insurance companies. And I think, too, it's particularly important to shop when you're circling circumstances change. Let's say you have a teenage driver or your commute has just lessened, which is the case for a lot of people now, right? If you've ditched a vehicle or you're driving any of your vehicles less than 7,500 miles a year, those are ways in which you can save on insurance costs and it makes even more sense to shop it. But while you're shopping, make sure that you're weighing the customer service and claims payment history of that insurer alongside the price quote that you're getting before you make the move. Because like Danny said, and, and we agree, a low price alone isn't worth it, right? If the service that you get is awful or if you're gonna, it's going to be pulling teeth to actually get uh, a claim paid in the event that you have to file a homeowner's claim or you know you get into a car accident. Right. And, and you kind of mentioned this, Joel, when it comes to shopping your insurance around, but but Danny mentioned kind of like that long-standing relationship with an agent. 
And it's worth pointing out that you know when you have a long-standing relationship with an agent, that typically means that you're going to be paying more because you don't get rewarded for being a long-time customer. Yeah. <laughs> you actually pay more. You don't see your rates automatically go down year after year. And so I think recognizing that for what it is, realizing that it's not really about the relationship as much because hopefully you're not having to use your insurance much. It's more about convenience. So for us, I know that we have stuck with the same guy for my business insurance for photography. We have an inland marine policy, which is what they call the policies for like your equipment and gear, things uh, like that. I was thinking like a boat in your backyard. Funny you say that because it actually was originally an extension of marine policies because I, I, I guess maybe back in the day when they were insuring cargo from like the East Indies, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that, or the West Indies. I don't know. I'm not very good with history. <laughs> um, but for us, every year I would send in an updated Excel file with all the equipment that we had on there because we'd buy different lenses, cameras, you know, computer equipment, things like that. And for me, the convenience of being able to just update that file and email it to him without even saying anything, like without having to make a phone call, without having to say anything else in the email, he knew exactly what that was. It was the updated list of all the equipment we had to make sure that we were properly covered. For me, it was worth it to, to not have to worry about that. Every year, that was something I was able to automate. Uh, and in that case, I was willing to pay for that convenience. Yeah. And I will say too, Matt, last time I changed insurance companies, which I don't know, two and a half years ago, I really liked my agent before that. And I felt bad leaving, but it was the right move <laughs> for right. me to make. Yeah. It's important to realize this business. It's not, it's not necessarily personal, right? right? And, and the cost does play a factor, a, a major factor. Not that the customer service doesn't as well though. Also too, I think it's important to mention um, to find other ways to lower the price of your insurance. And there are lots of ways that you can do this. It might and probably should mean having a higher deductible and self-insuring more, having more money in savings. You should also pay your premiums six months or a year at a time. It's going to be cheaper to do it that way. Ask about all the available discounts. And I mean, like, have your agent, <laughs> like, run through everything that they offer. I've done that. And, like, continue to save little bits here and there by finding another available discount. Uh, and when it comes to auto insurance, too, just drive less. Uh, ride your bike more. If you can prove to your insurance company that you drive fewer than 7,500 miles a year, Typically, that is the tipping point at which you're going to pay less for insurance. And of course, drive a cheaper car. That's another oh, yeah. way in which you can save money on insurance. So there's all sorts of ways that you can lower the cost on your own uh, with the insurance company you're, you're currently with at the same time. That's right. So Danny, thanks so much for that question. And we hope we got you pointed in the right direction, Joel. Our next question has to do with uh, getting a credit card with little or with poor credit. Let's hear it. My name is Sarah. I'm calling from Charlottesville, Virginia, and my question is about secured credit cards. My daughter uh, just got one, um, her first credit card, and um, I'm just wondering when they release the deposit you've left with them. Uh, when we called customer service, they said when you close the account and have paid in full, but the website says that plus after a couple of months or a few months of good credit. So I'm wondering if you know how that decision is made and how we can expedite it. Thank you. Sarah, thanks so much for your question. And one, let's just uh, clear up what secured credit cards are, uh, because I think that that might be a question a lot of our listeners have after hearing your question. So uh, for folks out there who have poor credit or, or no credit even at all, it can be really tough to get a credit card. Obviously, banks don't want to go out extending uh, credit uh, just on a, on a lark to somebody with no credit history at all. 
but uh, this is also unfortunate because responsibly using a credit card is actually the easiest and fastest way to build <laughs> up your credit score, to build up a solid credit score, right? It's kind of like a catch-22. <laughs> yeah. What comes first, the chicken or the egg, the, <laughs> the credit card or the credit score? Mm. And like that's where a secured credit card comes in to save the day and has historically been the place where people uh, in, in that kind of situation with little or no credit can turn um, to actually start to build up a reasonable credit history. That's right. And the, uh, the, so the way they work, secured credit cards work just like a regular unsecured credit card, except that you've given the credit card issuer a deposit that they hold on to uh, just in case you don't make uh, your payments like you're supposed to. And so you use that secured card uh, just like a regular credit card and you make purchases and then at the end of the billing cycle or, or, or sooner, hopefully, uh, you pay the statement amount. Uh, and that entire time, your deposit is still sitting there as collateral and is only used if you default and miss a payment. It's, it's, it's not unlike a deposit that you put down on a home or an apartment that you're renting. It's like, we're just going to hang on to this money just in case you don't do what you're supposed to, right? If you trash the place, we might take some money out of your deposit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so if you don't pay all of your payments that you're supposed to, some of that risk is mitigated because they have that money. They've got that deposit on hand. And traditionally, one of the best places to go for a secured credit card has been a credit union. That is like a really wonderful place for a lot of folks to turn uh, because credit unions are not for profit. They are all about helping their members establish you know, a decent credit standing. And so, yeah, if you're in that position, that's a good place to turn. Also, too, there are newer cards that can help people with bad or non-existent credit. Uh, and you can avoid this secure card route. Pedal Card, in particular, is the one that I think of as offering the best alternative option to a secured card where they're not actually checking your credit when they extend you a credit card. Uh, we'll post a link to that one in the show notes. So if you are or know somebody who has bad credit, that's definitely a good place for them to turn in order to try and get a credit card so they can start to establish that credit history. Yeah, that's right. And, and so, Sarah, you know, when your daughter receives her security deposit back, will depend on the issuer of your daughter's card, uh, but know that she definitely will get that deposit back if she always pays her balance in full. Her her card issuer may have mentioned uh, a couple of months uh, of good credit because her credit score, it's not going to shoot up overnight. It does take some time. Uh, and, and some banks will even sort of automatically see if they can upgrade her to an unsecured card sometimes after 8 to 12 months, uh, because credit card companies, they're always looking for new customers. Uh, but she will receive back that deposit once her card is converted either to an unsecured card uh, or once that account is closed uh, and the balance is paid in full. There you go. Secure credit cards, they exist for a reason. They are helpful to uh, a large a good swap tool. of folks. They are a good tool. Yeah. So yeah, Sarah, hopefully that answered your question. Uh, Matt, we got a couple more questions to get to, including one about maximizing financial aid for a kid that's going to college uh, or multiple kids <laughs> that are going to college. We'll get to that question and more right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. 
I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're going to get to a question about Roth IRAs, uh, but first let's hear that question about maximizing your financial aid possibilities. Hi, Joel and Matt. This is Tia from Pittsburgh. Um, I just had a question. My kids are heading off to college here. Well, the first one goes next year. And we're going to have three more in close succession over seven years. We are in gear four of the money gears, but we're a little hesitant to put money in a cash savings um, for an emergency fund because, again, our kids are going to college and we don't want to negatively impact their um, ability to get financial aid. Currently, we are already contributing um, the max 
that is matched by our companies for our 401k, as well as maxing out a Roth IRA for my husband and I each, as well as contributing up to 50% to our HSA account. So our question is, where can we put this money or should we just be concerned about maybe paying off other debts like our own student loans or if we should consider using that money to pay for my um, kids' upcoming college expenses. Thank you guys so much for everything that you do and have a nice day. Tia, thanks for your question. Uh, And Matt, there's so much to cover here when it comes to uh, financial aid possibilities of college. And and Tia, I just wanted to recommend that you check out episode 170. If you haven't listened to that one yet, we talked to Alicia Howard and she had some awesome advice on lowering the cost of college overall. And you're going to need that sort of advice with four kids going to college because that can be really tough on the finances. And man, I loved that conversation with Alicia. She just gave like a ton of in-depth help to parents out there of even young kids like starting to think ahead about paying for college but especially in the situation Tia's in I think that that interview uh, episode is going to be really really helpful yeah and Tia's just so dang close to to moving on to gear five you know because in her email she actually mentioned too that uh, she's got two months worth of an emergency fund uh, and gear four is having three to six months set aside there Uh, but the thing is man there is always nuance when it comes to specific personal finance issues that arise. Uh, and you know, Tia, you are in one of those moments where you have to, to pivot based on your specific circumstances. Uh, and so in order to give your kids the, the best option of receiving financial aid, you won't want to have a big chunk of liquid savings because it could mean that they you know get less free money from a university. Yeah. And Matt, this is obviously just like a round number that I'm pulling out of nowhere, but like it could be, you know, potentially $10,000 per kid. And if there's four kids there, that's $40,000 in extra financial aid if Tia makes a couple of the right moves now, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's definitely a bigger decision based on the fact that she's got multiple kids that are likely to go to college, right? One kid is still important, but it's kind of less important. It's like, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just one kid. But if it's like four in succession. (laughs) Yeah. Fourfold, it's a big deal. You better get it right. So yeah, I think uh, let's talk about a couple of the biggest ways that Tia can help her situation. And, uh, and make it more likely that there's going to be more financial aid coming her kid's way. And the biggest way to help your kids get more financial aid is to fill out the FAFSA and to do that early, to not wait too long. That was one of the, the first things I think Alicia mentioned in that interview too, Matt, was that like the earlier you fill out the FAFSA, the more aid that's waiting there for you, the longer you wait, the more colleges have already kind of promised it to other students. So yeah, literally the funding runs out. Right, yeah. <laughs> so if you get in there earlier, you uh, get first dibs. Exactly. And uh, so don't forsake that. Make sure uh, the FAFSA is early on your to-do list. But then you want to keep working on those money gears. Make sure that you're actually maxing out money that you have invested in retirement accounts. And usually that gets postponed just a little bit later uh, in, in your finances. But considering your specific situation, Tia, I think it makes sense to move more quickly in that direction. Uh, contributing to a 401k, a Roth, and an HSA at the same time is awesome. So congrats on prioritizing that. But now it's important to max those out. This is a good idea, of course, because of the tax benefits that you receive, but also any assets that you put into a retirement account like that, they don't get count when financial aid is being determined. So I think you said you were getting up to the match in your 401k. If you can dial that up and soak up um, some of that extra money that's in your life, well, that's going to be great for your retirement savings. And also at the same time, it's going to be great for your eligibility for some of this financial aid. That's right. And then Tia, next, you'll move on to money gear number six and pay off any debts that you might have in your name. You mentioned student loans. Now is the time to, I think, completely wipe those out. Just like you said, any cash that you have 
sitting around counts against your kid's ability to receive financial aid. But your outstanding debts are not being taken into consideration. And so pay off uh, any other debts that you may have with that cash to decrease any monthly payments while maintaining your ability to qualify for any financial help. Yeah, basically, those are the two biggest um, legal things that you can do, right, is to invest more of your money and then to use the cash on hand to pay down debts. That'll improve your position when it comes to financial aid possibilities. So, Tia, best of luck to you. Best of luck to your four kids as they start attending university. And hopefully, taking those moves means there's more money available for your kids from the financial aid office. All right, Matt, let's get to our last question for the day. This one is about opening up a Roth IRA, but for last year. Hey guys, this is Riker from Wyoming. I'm a medical resident in my final year of residency. I have a question about a Roth IRA. I opened up a Roth IRA after the first of year in 2021. The Roth that I opened up was a 2020 and I was hoping to max that out prior to ending residency. So my income will allow me to max it out and this may be my last opportunity. So my question is, if you open the Roth IRA after the first of the year, are you still allowed to contribute to the prior year Roth IRA, even though it was opened after the first of the year? And if I max it out before the tax filing deadline in April? Thank you guys. All right, Riker, thanks so much for your question. And short answer is yes, you can still open uh, a Roth IRA and fund it for last year. Even if you filed your taxes already, uh, you know, congrats to all those uh, type A personalities out there, <laughs> you can still open and contribute to a Roth IRA for last year. And, you know, some people might be wondering, like, why would I contribute to my Roth for 2020 when I could start making 2021 contributions? Uh, well, you might, you know, come into some extra money this year. Maybe you might get a sweet bonus uh, and you may not know what to do with that money. And so it's always uh, helpful to put money towards the prior year's IRA whenever you can because it gives you more. More options in case you stumble into the opportunity to invest even more money down the road. I love stumbling into the opportunity to invest. Absolutely, man. That's how we roll around here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you never know, right? Of course, in, in Riker's case, like he might not be able to contribute to a Roth IRA in 2021. He's got to do it for 2020, right? And, and that's because of the income limits that exist when we're talking about Roth IRAs. Uh, if your AGI rises above $125,000 as a single individual and $198,000 as a married couple. You won't be able to contribute to the full six or twelve thousand dollars to your Roth IRAs this year, and so yeah, that just puts an even higher priority on. Um, you know, maybe at the end of this year, Riker will not have made more than that amount, and he'll be able to contribute for twenty twenty one as well. But make hay while the sun shines, you oh, know, yeah. and put your money in your Roth while you can. So yeah, that is a, a reason to continue to contribute for last year's uh, as long as you can, and you can do that again up until April fifteenth. Even if you've already filed your taxes, you can still contribute to your Roth for last year. And so make sure you stuff as much money as you can into last year's Roth before you start putting money into your Roth for 2021. Yeah, this is actually the position that Kate and I found ourselves in about this time last year. And so so last year in 2020, we actually hadn't contributed yet to our 2019 Roth IRA. 2019 was kind of a not so great year for us financially. It wasn't terrible by any means, but we just hadn't put aside money you know, into our Roths. But then spring of 2020 rolled around, it looked like we were going to be in a much stronger position financially uh, last year. That dude coupled with the fact that the stock market went on sale Sale, we were able to fully fund the previous year's Roth IRA. So we maxed out our 2019 contributions as well as 2020. But we were able to do that because the tax filing deadlines had not yet arrived. So 
Riker, as long as you do that, you'll be set. Yeah, I will say too, when you make above that amount of money, like when you are no longer eligible to contribute to a Roth, I think some people get bummed out and, and understandably so. Like Roth IRAs are pretty cool. We really like them. But also too, um, that's kind of cause for celebration <laughs> when you make <laughs> enough money. It's a good money. problem to have for yeah, sure. Yeah. When your income has reached that level, you know you're doing great. So. Yeah. So Riker, congrats in advance uh, <laughs> of that if you think that you're going to be ineligible based on income. Yeah. Uh, that's a great place to be in. No doubt. All right, Matt, let's get back to the beer uh, today on the show. We drank Seeing Double by Ann Derby Brewing. This was another beer my little sister tossed our way. What were your thoughts on this one, man? Yeah, again, this is a double dry hopped double IPA. And dude, the first thing I noticed when I cracked, so I cracked it open and I poured it, and the uh, the label, it's black and purple. And I don't know if it's because it's purple, but I swore when I cracked it, I could smell berries. <laughs> like it made me think of like strawberry or cherry or something, but it didn't taste that way. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it just, I mean, it was a great IPA. No, no berries were harmed in the making of this no, IPA. No, yeah, not at all. But it's funny how a label can have an impact on the perception of the beer, at least maybe before you taste it. But even after you taste it, I think sometimes depending on the label, the colors that they use, it can make you think one way uh, versus maybe how it is in reality. But this one was really good. It was uh, it was a double IPA, but it wasn't kind of one of these really sweet uh, New England style IPAs. It was a little less sweet. It led to some kind of cleaner drinking when, as you know, as it pertains to these double dry hopped IPAs. But uh, I really enjoyed it, man. How about you? Yeah, it was kind of like a moderate West Coast IPA, I'd say. Maybe it's more yeah. like a middle of the country IPA. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm guessing th- this tastes like this some- is an IPA from Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does kind of taste like some of the IPAs that I've had. They're not like bitter, harsh California West Coast, right? Right? They're, they're just kind of like more reserved. They do have you know a lot of hot flavor coming through, some of the bitterness, some of the maltiness, just really well balanced really when it comes down to it. So yeah, I would classify this as like traditional American IPA. And I think Ian Derby pulled it off pretty well, man. Yeah, it was pretty good. Nice, man. Yeah. So I'm glad that you and I got to share another local Atlanta craft beer here on the show. And thanks to your sister, Aunt Sal Sal, again, for donating this one to the show. But Joel, that's going to be it for this episode. We will make sure to uh, leave any links, any resources that we mentioned during this episode up on our show notes on our website at howtomoney.com. Yeah. And if you have a money question, well, you can hop into our Facebook group and you can ask uh, fellow listeners what they think of your money predicament or of your money question. And there's all sorts of good conversations happening in there. Just go to facebook.com type how to money in the search bar you'll find it uh, also too if you prefer matt and i to answer your question on the podcast we would love that just go to howtomoney.com slash ask again it takes just a minute to submit your question and hopefully we'll take it on an upcoming episode but that's going to do it for this episode matt until next time best friends out best friends out I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, Every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.